Amen. No, no greater song to sing about than Jesus. Thank God for who He is. We're going to return this morning to Matthew's Gospel. And if you will find your place in chapter number 12 of Matthew's Gospel. While you're finding your place there in the Scripture, just let me remind you that we have been looking at Matthew's Gospel for a good while now. This, is the 80, this will be the 86th message from Matthew's Gospel. And uh, trying to postpone, do it slow, so I don't have to deal with Matthew 24. I'm hoping he'll come, and uh, I won't have to try to explain all of that. And uh, the rate I'm going, maybe he will. That'll be, that'll be okay. We'll let him explain it all to us. Matthew's gospel is the gospel that presents Jesus Christ as King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. He's the anointed one. And Matthew, writing to the Jews, uh, presented him as that. His Jewish audience, Matthew, the Jewish tax collector himself, turned disciple when the Lord called him. And he reaches back from the beginning of this book and draws from many Old Testament prophecies to convince his readers that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we must be convinced of that by Scripture. You say, well, preacher, I've been convinced that Jesus was the Son of God all of my life. Well, there's other people who have been convinced that He's not all of their life. So it's not about what we've convinced ourselves of. It is what we are convinced and believed because Scripture has determined it. For the past 85 messages from this gospel, we have witnessed the unfolding kingdom of heaven, and we have seen the authority of Jesus as the king of that kingdom. And this gospel, if you remember, began with Jesus' genealogy, where He came from, His lineage, His birth, His baptism, His wilderness temptation, it told us about His ministry, His calling the twelve disciples, the great Sermon on the Mount, and then demonstrations of His power and authority through miracles of physical healing. That is the bulk of the first nine chapters. Beginning in Matthew 10, Jesus sent His twelve apostles out to work miracles in His power, but He warned them of persecution and He warned them of what would happen because they ministered in His name. In Matthew 11, Jesus taught and He preached. He gave testimony to John the Baptist. He upbraided unbelieving cities. And He praised His Father's wisdom in revealing the gospel to the simple. And then offered the great invitation for men to come unto Him, those that were lay in labor and heavy laden. This morning we come to Matthew 12, where Matthew records a series of conflicts in the life of Jesus between Him and the Pharisees. And these conflicts represent a turning point in the earthly ministry of our Lord. They show us how religion 
hated Jesus, and religion still hates Jesus today. For the first time in Matthew's Gospel, we will read about here in chapter 12, down in verse 14, we will read about an organized plot, a council, a meeting of the minds, if you will, as to how they might destroy and how they might murder the Son of God. Jesus had given previous warnings uh, to the Pharisees about their murmurings and accusations, but now the Pharisees accuse Jesus, and that's what we're going to read about this morning. They accuse Him of breaking the law of God. They accuse His disciples, but in reality, it's an accusation against Him. I want to read the first 13 verses. There are two accounts in this, these verses about the accusations toward Jesus' disciples and toward Him. And both of them are Jesus and His disciples being accused of breaking the Sabbath day law. Matthew 12, 1, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and His disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto Him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But He said unto them, Have ye not read what David did? When he was hungered, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temples in the temple profane the Sabbath, and are blameless? But I say unto you, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. And when He was departed, He went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked Him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? that they may, might accuse him. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then said he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. There are two events in this text that I read this morning. Our Lord's disciples plucking corn on the Sabbath day, rubbing it in their hands and eating it. And then Jesus going into their meeting place, the synagogue, and a man there with a withered hand, and Jesus working a miracle and restoring that withered hand. But the issue is, both events occur on the Sabbath day. And both events, in the mind and the thinking of the Pharisees, was a violation of the Old Testament Sabbath day laws. Jesus made the statement in verse number 8, 
that is at the heart of everything that happens in verse number 1 through verse number 13 and will continue to unfold in this chapter and in the book of Matthew that will ultimately lead to His crucifixion. He says in verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. I promise you the Pharisees had in their mind that either the law of the Sabbath was Lord or that they they themselves in their interpretation of the Sabbath day was Lord. But Jesus has come and Matthew is presenting Him exactly as He is. He is the Messiah. He is the King of the Jews. And He is Lord. He is Lord of the Sabbath. In fact, He is Lord of everything, and He is Lord of every man in the sense that all will bow to His authority. If you'll notice in verse number 1, Matthew 12 is a continuation of what our Lord has just said in the last three verses of chapter number 11. It said at that time, indicating that what our Lord is about to say is in close proximity to what He has just said and what has just happened in Matthew 11. So you have a link here in the timing between verse verse 28 through 30 of chapter 11 and chapter number 12. Also, not only do you have a link in timing, but you have a link in context. Jesus has just told those listening that they can come unto Him and that they can take His yoke upon them and learn of Him. Because He says, My yoke is easy and My burden is light. And then we go right into this story where the Pharisees are making it heavy. They are making it weighty upon any man to do anything on the Sabbath day except what they say is lawful to do. So Jesus is connecting the easiness and the lightness of living for Him and the freedom and the joy and the peace of being with Him in comparison to those who want to take the Sabbath day laws that they have added to and bring a burden and bring restrictions upon Him and upon living for Him. So Jesus is facing what we call today the legalism of the Pharisees, and He is contrasting what is in Him, which is liberty and peace. He's contrasting that to the legalism of the Pharisees. He was offering to them a way of life. He was offering to them a life, if you will. He was offering to them that they could have a life that was pleasing to God without being filled with the uh, inventions of man and the traditions of man-made law. In other words, you can have a life of honor and glory and a life of mercy and compassion. You can have a life that is a joy to live rather than a life that is full of restrictions. And so he calls on the latter part of chapter 11 for those who are burdened with this kind of man-made religious legalism. He's calling upon them to come to him and to take upon them his life and they will know the joy of living for Christ. Notice, if you will, two aspects of these stories this morning. I want us to look, first of all, at the reaction of the Pharisees to Jesus and his disciples, how they react to what His disciples are doing, and then in the plucking of the corn, and then how they react to what Jesus does in the healing of the man with the withered hand. And then we'll look at our Lord's response to the Pharisees 
and what He has to say to them about what they have said about Him. Now, Matthew 12 opens with these Pharisees confronting Jesus. They come to Him because uh, of His disciples that are, they have witnessed, they have watched them take corn off of the stalk, off the ear, and they've watched them rub that in their hands and probably blow away the chaff and eat that. Now keep in mind, you've got to be pretty close to an individual to see them doing that. You don't see that from a, a football field apart. You can't really tell exactly what they are doing, but they are actually telling Jesus here, you know, your, your disciples, we, we, have, we have witnessed them do what is, what is unlawful on the Sabbath day. So they were, they were like spies. They were just hanging close to our Lord's disciples to find them in some violation of something that pertain to the law of God. Notice that the Pharisees use the word lawful in both stories in our text this morning. They use it in verse 2. They said, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful. And then down in verse 10, with the man with the withered hand, they asked Jesus, Is it lawful? In other words, is, is what your disciples doing, that, is that not breaking the Sabbath day law? And they're, they're working, they're harvesting, they're reaping, they're winnowing, and that you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath day according to the Sabbath day laws of the Old Testament. And then they say, this is the Sabbath day, and uh, you're not supposed to practice medicine on the Sabbath day according to their oral traditions of the law, things they had added to it. And so is it going to be right for you to come in here and heal this man with a withered hand? They're trying to trap our Lord. They're trying to accuse Him or find accusation against Him. So they are using the word lawful. And they're using it because they believe they are experts in the law. They believe they know the law better than anyone else. And certainly they knew much of the law of God. The problem here is that they care not about the Lord, but they only care about the law. They care not for the hunger of the disciples, nor do they care about the withered hand of the man. All they are concerned about is the fact that the law has been broken, and for men who believe that salvation is based on your righteousness, on what you do and don't do, they are highly concerned that Jesus is come to destroy or to go against the law of God. If you remember, our Lord said, I didn't come to destroy it, I came to fulfill it. He's about to show them the fullness of what it means. He's about to show them the fullness of what, it, of what those Sabbath day rules and laws really represented. Church, He is the fulfillment of all of that. Christ is the fulfillment. He's the sufficiency of all of that. So the problem is that they cared only about the law. Only in the sense as to how they interpret it and how they used it to gain authority and control over the lives of others. These Pharisees are out to control the lives of the people of God. They're out to tell them what they can do, how long they can do it, where they can do it, how they're to do it, and, and what's going to happen to them if they fail to do it, or if they do something in a way that they do not approve of. Christ came to give life, and He came to give it more abundantly. He came to take every law of God. He came to take every precept of God. He came to take everything that God is and show us how we can enjoy life and fulfill that 
in and through His righteousness for us. Now I'll give the Pharisees credit where credit is due. In Deuteronomy 23, 25, God did address this issue of gleaning on the Sabbath. But there was no law that prohibited the plucking of grain in order to eat on the Sabbath. If you go to Deuteronomy 23, 25, gleaning handfuls of grain from a neighbor's field to satisfy hunger was permitted. What was prohibited was labor. You could not labor for the sake of profit or for the sake of sale on the Sabbath day because it was a day that was to be holy unto the Lord and given for us to recognize God's great rest and God's great work. That's what the Sabbath day was about. So the farmer in the Old Testament, he could not harvest for profit on the Sabbath, but an individual could glean grain to eat. And the same thing is true of healing on the Sabbath. There was no law in the Old Testament forbidding the giving of medicine, healing, or any other aspects of mercy. But these Pharisees had added to that their own interpretations and their own traditions, and they were trying to impose that upon men in order to get men to live like they wanted them to live and in order to control the lives of individual people. Now I want to be as fair as I can to the Pharisees, and I stress that as fair as I can, but what has happened here, and I want, I want you to understand this, is that they took God's purpose for Sabbath rest, and they took the fourth commandment, and they used it as a home base to establish their own rules and laws regarding the Sabbath days. But in, but in their defense, but in their defense, which is very minimal, they knew the Old Testament, they did know the importance of the Sabbath day, But they also knew that part of the reason the nation of Israel had went to Babylon in captivity was they had violated the Sabbath day. We know that from the prophets of old. They had to go to Babylon because they had violated the Sabbath day. They had just totally ignored the Sabbath day and God held them accountable. And part of the reason they went to captivity for 70 years was because of that. Some people say the Pharisees were just trying to avoid that ever happening again. And that might have been the motive in, for some of these men. But whatever they started out with, it had got to the point now that in their minds, they're Lord of the Sabbath and Jesus was not. In their minds, they are the ones who set the boundaries. They say what God accepts and what God does not accept. And while they may have started out with a good intent, they have ended up wrong. And Jesus came to fulfill. He came to show everyone then and each of us now that He is Lord not only of the Sabbath days, but He is Lord of all. I do believe this morning most of us, some of us, my age and older, we were raised to respect the Lord's day. Now, we do not keep the Sabbath day in the sense that some people keep the Sabbath day. There are people like Seventh-day Adventists who keep the sixth day of the week. We worship on the first day of the week because Jesus changed that when He came here. That's what the early church did, and that's what we are commanded to do in the Scriptures. Our rest is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And maybe there were some in Jesus' day, some of these Pharisees, some of the older ones, who truly were concerned about the nation breaking the Sabbath laws and getting in trouble with God again. But I think for the most part, these Pharisees were now individuals who just believed that what they said about the Word 
carried as much authority and weight as the Lord Jesus Himself. Of course, when you don't believe Christ is God in the flesh, you have a tendency to do that. Most of us who were raised respected the Lord's day, and there was a lot of things that we did and did not do on the Lord's day in order to bring honor and glory unto Him. And then some have no respect now for the first day of the week. It is what we want to do. It's all about us, and that's not right either. But in the heart of this text, Jesus shows us that He, at that time, was Lord of the Sabbath. I want to remind each of us today that He is Lord of this day. This is the Lord's day, and that ought to pretty much tell you whose day it is. I, I don't know that that needs a lot of explaining the Lord's day, and that means it belongs to Him. Thank God He died, was buried, He rose on the first day. Thank God it's His. He has a right to it because of His death, burial, and resurrection. And anything and everything we do or refrain from doing should be for His glory, to His glory, in recognition of Him, in celebration and adoration and worship, in glorifying His great name. These men had their own interpretations. But look at verse 3. Jesus said, Have ye not read in response to their accusation against the disciples? Jesus said, Have ye not read? In other words, they came and say, Behold, your disciples are doing that which is not lawful upon the Sabbath day. Now, as I told you, they were not breaking Old Testament law. What they were breaking was the oral law that these men had added to the law of God. Jesus takes them back and says, Have you not read? He calls them back to Scripture. He calls them back to the Word of God. Let me just say to each of us this morning, when you have a question or a controversy, when you have a misunderstanding and want clear understanding about something, where do you go first? You ought to go every time you ought to do what Jesus did, and you ought to go to the Word of God. That's what our Lord did. So He brings up this situation when David was out away from, the, uh, away from Jerusalem, and he was hungered, and you remember how he ate the bread, and he tells about that. That's recorded over in the Old Testament. So Jesus is challenging the Pharisees, and it challenges us today to know what the Word of God says. I do appreciate what every honest preacher and teacher and every honest Christian has taught to me and has given to me and lived before me. But I want to tell you, there has never been an infallible Sunday school teacher that ever taught you. There's never been an infallible preacher that has ever preached to you. There has never been an infallible mother or father that has ever modeled motherhood and fatherhood and life in front of you. There's never been a perfect grandmother or grandfather. There's never been a perfect denomination. But thank God the Word of God is infallible. And the Word of God is perfect. And while men do their best to interpret it and explain it, as you've heard me say before, brother, anything I ever preach to you that is different in the Word of God, you stick with the Word of God and let what I say lay aside. Jesus said, have ye not read? He said, you men who claim to be scholars of the Old Testament, have you not read the story where David went in and took that bread that was, that was dedicated to the priest and David ate because he was hungry? 
Have you not read that in the law? Have you not read how the priest was able to eat the showbread after, a, after it was no longer usable? All that was in the Old Testament. Well, they, had, they knew that, they, but they were letting all of that lay aside because they wanted to be the authority. They wanted to be the one that was in charge. But he said, Behold, there's someone greater than the temple here, and there's someone in with more authority, and that's me. And that's exactly the issue today. The issue is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I, I, do, I do appreciate, I do appreciate theologians. I read after them. I appreciate Christian history. I appreciate Christian history. I appreciate church tradition. And I say that in, in the good sense of what the early church did that was biblical all down through the ages. I think we should study. I think we should glean from it, especially when we're dealing with controversial issues. What did the early church do? What does the Word of God say? What has history proven that the church did? What, what, what have the theologians and the, and the children of God who lived before us? We should look at all of that and, and we should consider all of that. But it is clear, it is clear that Jesus believed the answer to any question, the answer to any issue lies not, lies not just in those things, but it lies clearly in the Word of God. It lies clearly in what thus saith the Lord. When one group believes one thing and the other group believes something else, what do we believe? We ought to believe the Word of God. You say, well, what about people who disagree upon the Word of God? Some things you can disagree on the Word of God, and it's not a, a top-tier issue. But other things, there's no room for disagreement. I mean, there's no room for disagreement on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. There's no room for disagreement on the way of salvation. There's no room for disagreement on how our prayers are answered. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that is settled in the Word of God. There are many other issues that are gray, and we look at them, and there's no clear, there's no clear yea or nay one way or the other. Those things should not divide us. They may separate us in certain ways, but Jesus is teaching and talking to men here who has taken their way of interpretation and made it the final authority about everything. On questionable matters, sometimes the Scriptures speak clearly and simply. Other times we find the Scriptures use examples of how people believed and how they behaved. Sometimes we see certain patterns in Scripture that set the standard for us. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, you men have taken the fourth commandment that we are to keep the Sabbath day, and you have taken your interpretation of that and added a bunch of oral laws to that, and now you're holding my disciples accountable for having broken the law of God. But Jesus said, have you not read? That fourth commandment was there. But have you not read how David, how David plucked corn when he was hungry? Have you not read how David eat that showbread? Have you not read how the priest, how God gave liberty in certain areas? I want to stress again this morning, the answer is in the Word of God. The answer is not what we have heard all of our life. The answer is not what we've necessarily been taught all our life. When what we've heard and been taught is contrary to Scripture... Stay with the Word of God. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He stated clearly that both David and the priests did what was permitted in Scripture. Both of them did. 
And then down in verse 12, when he refers to the healing in verse 12, he made it clear that that was biblical. He said, wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Jesus said, I understand what the Sabbath day law is and what the Sabbath day laws as given by God are. And Jesus said, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. You say, preacher, what does that mean? That means it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. And that means if Jesus says something is right, it is absolutely right. And it doesn't matter what man says about it. And hear me closely now. It doesn't matter what the Old Testament law says about it. Because if Jesus says it's right to do it, it can be done and not violate the Old Testament law of God because He never violated the Old Testament law of God. What He did, He did perfectly. And what He did, He did righteously. So Jesus is telling that to these men. He also appeals, furthermore, in the, in the situation down in verse number, in the withered hand situation, they're upset because He's healing this man on the Sabbath day. And he brings up this statement in verse 11. He said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep and it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day? And will, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? You may be more familiar with the text about if an ox fall in a ditch, can a man not get it out? Now, the Sabbath day law did not allow for a man to plow his oxen and to make profit on the Sabbath day. But if his animal is in danger, then of course he was to see to it that that animal was brought up out of danger. But he also says this in verse 12, How much then is a man better than a sheep? Well, I'm sure Peter would love that verse. I'd love to put that on their t-shirts. How much better then is a, how much then is a man better than a sheep? Jesus is saying here, if God made provision for you to pull your sheep, your old sheep up out of the ditch on the Sabbath day, do you think God is displeased with me walking in here in this synagogue and healing a man created in his own image? That sheep was not created in the image of God, but man was. That sheep does not have a living soul. That animal does not live after it dies, but that man does. And what Jesus is saying here to them is, you're putting much weight on lesser things. There's a man here in this synagogue that has a withered hand. Luke tells us it was a withered right hand. And if you actually read Mark's account of this, it said that he, our Lord, listen to what Mark's account says in Mark 3, 3, And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, our Lord is anger, our Lord is grieved, our Lord is burdened that these Pharisees are so passionate about their traditions and about their interpretations of the Word of God and they could care less about a man with a withered hand. You think about a man who has no use of his right hand. You think about all the complications of life that that would bring to him. And Jesus is saying, you are here, you are here questioning my disciples for plucking corn. You are here questioning me for doing an act of mercy and compassion. 
Jesus is simply saying to these men, you know nothing about me. You know nothing about the Son of God. All you know about is your religion. All you know about is your tradition. All you know is what you've added to the law of God and what you've added to the ways of God. And you have no mercy. You have no compassion. You don't know anything about life. And I didn't come to bring men to you. I came to bring men to me so that their burdens will be easy, their their yokes will be easy, and their burdens will be light. I want to tell you one of the most discouraging things on the face of God's earth today is religion without Jesus Christ. It is so binding, so burdensome. It is so engulfing in chains. And don't just think about cults and false religions. Think about even the things that we have been raised in on occasion. You see, the problem in these stories of the corn being plucked and the hand being healed, the problem in these two stories is the same problem we have this morning. We listen to others rather than Scripture. But you might say, well, well, preacher, are we not supposed to listen to you? The answer is yes. When I'm rightly dividing the word of truth, the answer is no. When I try to become the authority in your life, the answer is no. This word and the living word. Notice Jesus said the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. He's Lord of that. He's Lord of that. I know a man now, I know him right now, yesterday. He did his best to keep the Sabbath day holy, which was Saturday. He didn't go from his home. He didn't, he'd done all the things that he was supposed to not do in order to keep the Sabbath day. Today, he, he will not be found among God's people. He will not be found worshiping and gathering together as the Bible commands him to do as a New Testament Christian. You won't find him anywhere near all of that. Of course, he had no problem last night drinking his toddy before he went to bed on the Sabbath day as he does every night. And he believes that makes him righteous in the sight of God. It doesn't. It doesn't make you any more righteous to do things in order to gain righteousness with God. Hear this. The person, the Son of Man, is Lord. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath day. Preacher, what what are we supposed to do and not do on the Lord's day on Sunday? I'm going to preach every rule right now. I'm going to give you every rule in the New Testament as to what we are not to do on the Lord's day. You ready? You want to write them down? You may have to just hear it later. Here they are. I'm done. There are no rules. Where He is Lord, there is life. Now, does that mean I throw off all moral restraint? No, it does not. It does not. It means He is Lord. It means He is Lord. When He is Lord, and when you are living by the Word of God, it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about Him. It's about Him. It doesn't mean that we throw off all moral restraint. 
Let's take, for, let's take for example the commandment, Thou shalt not murder. Shouldn't kill anybody. Well, what did Jesus say about that? Let's, let's take about Thou shalt not commit adultery. What did Jesus say about that? Man, He took that a notch higher, didn't He? He took that a notch higher. If you even look upon a woman, you can commit adultery. You don't have to ever talk to her, ever be near her, but to look upon her. You can, he is Lord of all of it, but in this case, He is Lord of the Sabbath. So it's not about a list of rules. It's not about how far you go. It's not about how long you stay. It's not about whether you can ride an elevator or not ride an elevator. It's not about whether you can play ball or not play ball. It's about whether or not He is Lord. And I'm telling you, when He's Lord, a lot of the questions get answered rather quickly. And a lot of the contrary. Preacher, I can't live like that. i got to have a rule. Okay, here it is. He's Lord. Live by that. If He's Lord, you don't have to worry. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. We're facing a culture right now that knows nothing about the Lord. Why do you think the Lord's Day, this Sunday, why do you think what happens on this day happens like it does? It happens like it does because men do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. People who know the Lord Jesus Christ understand He is Lord. He's Lord. If I could make a thousand rules for you, you'd come to me with another rule that would have been 1001, and you'd say, but you didn't cover this one. But you didn't cover this one. Jesus wanted them to understand the Word of God. He, Jesus Himself, settles these issues. And that's the problem they have. He's in authority. Notice his response to the Pharisees. It gave him the opportunity to do three, three things. Number one, he was able to respond to their formalism and their legalism. These people wanted an outward spirituality. They wanted a form of spirituality without any relationship to Christ and without any godliness. So he's responding to that. And he's saying, this is not about you just not doing something on the sixth day. This is about me. It's about Christ. And it's all about Christ. Secondly, the Lord Jesus conveys in this passage a true Christian and how they should approach the fourth commandment. And there's more in that than I could ever cover. But as New Testament Christians, we worship the Lord, as I mentioned earlier, on the first day of the week, Sunday, and not the sixth day, which is Saturday. Jesus made that change when He was here upon earth. However, our Lord did not attack the fourth commandment. He never got the tablets and chiseled it out. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the fourth commandment. God never attacked, Christ never attacked that law. But He corrected their misunderstanding and their application of that law. Listen to the words of J.C. Ryle. He says it in a way that I could never say it. He says, and I quote, Our Lord does not do away with the observance of a weekly Sabbath. He neither does so here in this text nor elsewhere in the four Gospels. Thousands have rushed to the hasty conclusion that Christians have nothing to do with the fourth commandment and that it is no more binding on us than the Mosaic laws and sacrifices. Ryle goes on to say there's nothing in the New Testament to justify any such conclusion. The plain truth is that our Lord did not abolish the law of a weekly Sabbath, which is a day of rest, 
He only freed it from the incorrect interpretations and purified it from man-made additions. He did not tear the fourth commandment off the tablets. He only stripped away the miserable traditions which the Pharisees had added to that day and by which they had made it not a blessing but a burden. He left the fourth commandment where he found it, a part of the eternal law of God. End quote. The Apostle Paul said, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. I saw you mail your card this morning. You shouldn't mail letters on the Lord's day. That's, I just said that. I don't care. They're not going to get there till Friday anyway, so... I, you know what I saw him? I saw him feed his dog in the front yard on the Lord's Day. We never fed our dog on the front yard on the Lord's Day. We always fed him out back. So your righteous neighbors would think you were holy, right? You say, preacher, you preach like that to us and we just go out and do what we want to do. Then that means he's not Lord. Because this is not saying ignore and do as you want to do. This is saying bow and realize He's Lord of it. He is Lord of it. If He's not Lord of your money, money, you'll blow it on everything. If He's Lord of your money, you'll spend it wisely and for the things that honor and glorify His name. If He's not Lord of your life, you'll take your body and use it for whatever you want to do. But if you understand your body's the temple of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, you'll use it to honor and glorify God. This is an issue of Him being Lord. I'm going to do like Jesus did this morning. I'm going to leave the fourth commandment where Jesus left it. I'm going to leave it as a part of God's law. And I'm going to embrace the fourth commandment as Jesus explained it. And it's more than an outward conformity to man-made tradition. It is a love toward God. It is a love and mercy toward others that can only be found in Christ. What is He saying here in these two stories? He is saying that those who take my yoke upon them... They find it easy and they find that my burden is light. They do the things they need to do of necessity and they do the things that show mercy and compassion. I've actually had preachers tell me years ago in my early ministry when I would have to go to a hospital, someone die or something on Sunday, I've actually had preachers tell me that they thought it would be okay if, if I, when I go to the hospital if I buy a drink or pack of crackers if I'm hungry, but not to ordinarily do that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I, I never read that any, anywhere in the book of, of Lance or Tom's. I never read that anywhere. I don't know where, but they told me I had permission to do that. I grew up with a form of legalism in a lot of areas. Not a rigid, but a form of it. And I want to tell you, happy is the day when you understand He's Lord, you belong to Him, and you're to live for Him and enjoy the fact that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Thirdly and finally, He declares His divine authority and sovereignty in verse number 8. The Son of Man is Lord. In other words, what I say and how I interpret Old Testament Sabbath law, Jesus said, that settles it. I want to say amen to that today. What Jesus says 
settles it. And what did that mean to them and what does it mean to us? It means the Sabbath day was His day and what He said about it settled it. What He did settled it. And He's the one who determines what's right and wrong, what's lawful and unlawful to do on that day. And I'll tell you this, anything in the Scriptures you find Jesus doing on the Lord's day and you find His church doing on the Lord's day, do it heartily unto the Lord and do it for His honor and for His glory. Again, Jesus is assaulting the formalism and legalism of the Pharisees. He's not throwing the law out the window. He's fulfilling it. He's not mocking it or making fun of it. He's fulfilling it. These men tried to make an outward show of being godly, but in their hearts they had no compassion. Now here's what would have happened. They would have rather His disciples went hungry. They would have rather the man in the synagogue went home with a withered hand. They would have rather that happened. So Jesus would have adhered not to God's Sabbath laws, but to the laws that they had made and written themselves. Is this serious? Look at verse 14. We'll talk about this next. Then the Pharisees went out, held a council against Him, how they might destroy Him. Here's where they started to plan to crucify Jesus. Is the fact that He was showing acts of mercy and compassion and love. He was doing it on the Sabbath day, which meant originally that men were to take a day of rest and reflect upon God's work and God's rest. The Sabbath didn't start in Exodus 20 at the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath started back when God created and then He rested. It meant God did a great work and then God rested. Not, not that God was tired, but God rested to reflect upon His work. And whenever man takes one day out of seven to stop and reflect upon that work, he is obeying the principle of that Sabbath rest. What do me and you do today? Thank God every Lord's Day morning, every Lord's Day evening, we pause and we come apart from the normal routines of life to reflect upon the great work of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. And thank God we rest in that today. It's in Jesus and in Jesus alone. The sad truth about legalism and the sad truth about tradition is what you read in verse 14. They were so proud of who they were, what they did, and what they did not do, that they were willing to kill Jesus and continue on with their life. The issue then, the issue now, is the Lordship of Christ. It's always been that church, and it always will be. May I ask you something before we pray? Who controls your spiritual life? Is it a preacher? Is it some theologian? Is it the way you were raised? Or worse than that, is it you? Or is it Jesus? If you're not reading the Word of God, you're going to end up in a ditch on one side or the other. You're going to be so liberal that nothing means anything to you, or you're going to be so legalistic that nothing will mean anything to you or anybody else. But if you read the Word of God, you'll know what Jesus said. And finally, one more question. Is, it, is, it, is your spiritual life more about the outside or is it about the inside? Our Lord in these texts had a heart of mercy and compassion for the disciples and for the man with the withered hand. 
And he reached back in the Word of God and proved through the example of what David did when he ate the bread and what the priests did when they ate the showbread. And he reached back in the Old Testament and told them there's no law back there that says you can't heal on the Sabbath days. He reached back to the Word of God as a foundation for everything that he did because he was the living Word of God. I want to do it the way he did it, don't you? I want to do it the way... The Lord said to do it. And I want to do it in submission to His Lordship and to His authority. Now before I close this morning, I guarantee you, I've not answered everybody's questions. There'll be people that'll be just like the Pharisees. Sometimes people have more questions now than they ever have. But I hope you you understand this. Our Lord did not tear the fourth commandment off the wall. Our Lord fulfilled it. And I'm here today as far as I'm concerned, in obedience to that commandment, even though I'm here on the first day of the week, because Christ is that fulfillment. And may whatever we do on this day or any day, but primarily on this day, when we gather to celebrate His resurrection, may we do it for His honor and for His glory. And people will have differing opinions of what they do and how they do it. Do any of you remember a man by the name of Eric Little? Some of the young people may remember. We showed his story here at the youth camp years ago. He was a Christian who refused to run on Sunday. I think it was in the 1926 Olympics. I may be wrong on that, but you can Google Eric. It it looks like Liddell, L-I-D-D-E-L. You can Google that. And he refused to run. He lost a gold medal because his meat was on a Sunday, and he refused to run because it was a day to him to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his conviction. He's a Christian. I believe he's in heaven. I believe I'll see him one day. Some of you who know anything about pro football will remember a quarterback by the name of Kurt Warner, who's a Christian. Years ago, played in the Super Bowl. And he did so with this thinking. It gives me a platform and a stage to share the gospel and tell the story of what Christ has done for me. Now, I've just given you an illustration that could divide this church. Next Sunday, West Lenore Liddell's will sit over here, and West Lenore Warner's will sit over here and dare God to help either side. I'm telling you, denominations have been started on less than that. You know what Paul said to the Colossians? To both Eric and Kurt? Let no man judge you in regard to those kind of situations. And I'm not judging those men. I do what I believe God would have me to do, not based on my flesh now, but based on how I read in the Scriptures. Which takes me back to say this to you, church. If you're not reading the Word of God... You're in trouble in both ways. You'll either be in the ditch of legalism or the ditch of liberalism, one way or the other. That's that's the difference. We're in a different age. My dad never told me not to text on Sunday. Never mentioned it. Was no such thing. My dad never told me Not to do other things on Sunday. 
He did tell me to go to the backyard if I was going to throw balls. Couldn't go fishing, couldn't do a lot of things. But my dad never told me them things out of legalism. I never picked up on that. I picked up on the fact he wanted me to know this day was different and this day was special. That's the way it ought to be in whatever we do. Not about do's and don'ts, but about the Lord. Either way, He's Lord of the Sabbath. And they're going to kill Him for it. Father, we thank You this morning for the Word of God. I pray, Father, You, the Holy Spirit, would take these truths in this text to every heart of each one who sits here today, especially the young people sitting here today, who do not have the advantage of living in a culture or being raised in a society that recognizes Sunday as any different from anything else. Help them to hear this word and you settle in their heart that you are Lord of both the Sabbath day and your Lord of this day. And may their life reflect the word of God in principle, in precept, and in practice. And may whatever they do or refrain from doing on this day, may it all be because you are Lord and they want to convey that message to a lost world. May those of us who have come from another generation, a generation that quickly got into legalism in a lot of ways to prove our spirituality, forgive us and bring us back to the reality of this day and the fact that you're Lord of it. And may we focus on you and glorify you, whether we're eating, riding, playing, resting, whatever we're doing, witnessing or ministering, singing, teaching, whatever we're doing, may it be with the knowledge that you are Lord of all things. We love you, Father, and we thank you. Mature us and help us in these areas. Continue to teach us. And may we not take counsel against you today, but may we humbly bow before you and confess that you're our Savior and you are our Lord. May we go from this place and live out the truth of this precious book. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. Help us as we meet back in a few hours. Bless our teachers as they'll teach tonight. And may you receive glory for it all. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.